Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Therese Crow, novelist and speaker. weeks ago we did a series on how to fix your writing life and one of the episodes was about facing your flaws we talked about when the manuscript is the problem and when you've got flaws on the craft side and then we talked about flaws that are more on a personal side or maybe your approach to the industry your approach to career we wanted to dive more into that personal side like when you are the problem (laughs) When you are the thing standing in the way of the next step forward in your career. And I think almost every writer has done it to themselves at one point or another. Like just looking over this list, I'm guilty of a couple of these for sure. We were talking before we started recording about how this is a problem for new writers. This is a problem for veteran writers. Some of these flaws are so like no matter where you are in your journey, you could easily fall victim to one of these personal things that kind of just blinds you to the growth you need to see to move forward. Yeah. Nobody's immune. So I wrote out six different flaws that I think that I've seen in, in writers, um, in terms of like their personality or how they approach their career. And so we're just going to talk through them and for our listeners, I guess, be thinking of where might you struggle? And to Mm -hmm. Carice's point, you might struggle in a lot of these areas, areas, and that's very normal. But I think naming it, like naming the problem is the first step to trying to get a better grip on it. Definitely. So the first flaw we've seen in writers is when they are enamored with their own work. I've seen it in veterans. I've seen it in new people who have written one book, like where they just think that what they have is the solution for society, or it's the best novel ever written, or like they're going to shake up the genre, or, you know, this is going to be award-winning. This is like a telltale sign is, you know, people who approach talking about their book in terms of Oh, I, this is going to be a blockbuster Hollywood film one day. Mm. This is going to be a multi-book deal. This is, you know, I'm going to get all, you know, we're going to make tons of money together. Like people who have that kind of assuredness in their writing, typically mean it's, it's a flaw. They're just way too enamored with their own skills or thoughts or ideas. Yes, I have definitely run into this. You know, when we were talking earlier, this particular problem at first struck me as one of those really common beginning writer problems. And I think maybe it's more of a a curve than Mm -hmm. that, because I think a lot of writers go through this very naturally with their first book, their first Mm -hmm. project, their first series. You get so caught up in it that you'll spend years doing something, trying to make something work because you just love it so much. That mm-hmm. first baby is just so precious to you. And then you've, you've got folks on the other end who have been in the business for a long time. And a couple people are coming to mind, especially mm-hmm. people who are established writers who for one reason or another have this false sense of guaranteed success. Mm-hmm. There's one who really comes to mind 
And he was just convinced this book was going to make a million dollars. Yeah. At the end of working together, you know, they had exchanged 125 emails or something gross over the course of like six weeks. Like mm-hmm. it was, that is too many emails, people, for you and your editor. That is way too many emails. By the end of it, the guy asked Ben, he was like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how would you rank this book? Oh my goodness. That is the most terrifying question. And Ben had been paid and he'd been professional the entire time. And he said, I'm going to level with you. You want this book to make a million dollars? It's out of one right now. (sighs) And there's just, there's only so much I can do for you, but you're not taking my advice. You're not listening to anything I have to say. You have got a years long road ahead of you Mm. in order for this to be a success. And he came back and said, a one is a monkey with a typewriter. Ben's like, well, you didn't quantify the scale for me. So that's really on you, not on me. But you asked for a number and I gave you a number. Wow. This, this kind of like egotistical, I am the best. I I've got it. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't serve anybody. It's serving the author least of all. No. And everyone has like their day in the sun. And it's very hard to keep that momentum. Well, not Mm -hmm. everyone has their day in the sun, but people who have been in the industry for a long time and who who have long careers, they've had a moment. Like there's no doubt about that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're still at it 20 years later and you're still making a living as a writer, but that doesn't mean that now everything, every idea that you have is gold, everything you touch is gold. And we, Chip and I deal with that with some clients where they've had decades of experience in the industry. They've hit some bestseller lists. They've had some, had some good things happen. And now they just have this mindset. Well, I'm just going to do this and I'm not going to take advice from anyone else. And this is going to really work and it's not working. And they just Mm -hmm. don't want to, you know, they just think that they know best because they hit it big once or twice, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. All right. The next flaw that we see is an author who is stuck in self-loathing. This is when typically when someone is so beaten down by rejection or things just haven't gone the way that they thought they would, that they just are in this like, woe is me. No one has suffered as much as I've suffered. No one's gotten as much rejections as I've gotten. No one understands my point of view. No one understands my stories. Like it's kind of like, no one understands me. No one gets me. And they just kind of wallow in that sadness. Yeah. I can't do anything with that as an agent. (laughs) (laughs) As a writer, we, well, no, I guess there's like some genres where that self-loathing might come in useful for your prose, but right. I mean, in the long term, you know, and I I think this self-loathing, it's not, it's not always like on me necessarily. It can also be on the industry, Hmm. you know, I think because like for some people, some people will turn that, that rejection and that disappointment inward and, and look at themselves, but other people will say, no, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the kids who are wrong. Isn't that the meme? Why, why aren't my books selling? And it's because of the industry and it's, it goes outward, but it's still, it's still a loathing of sorts. It's still yeah. a bit of a pop out, you know? That's such a good point because really what this comes down to both this point and the one that we made before is that 
people want to work with someone who has some level of confidence Mm -hmm. in their work, not an overconfidence where they're overselling. We want to work with people that are, that bring a certain level of confidence and who are excited about what's to come, who are open to what's Mm -hmm. to come and who aren't just so entrenched in a certain way of doing things or a certain thing that they have to make true. And this self-loathing or this, you know, industry slamming perspective, that is just not at all appealing. That's not a mindset that I want to take time as an agent trying to sell to publishers and then eventually having to defend to publishers when something goes wrong. Yeah. Somebody who falls victim to this just isn't likely to take the responsibility that they need to take, mm-hmm. you know, in, in what I've seen. Cause at, like you were saying, you don't want to take this to publishers. You don't want to have to defend it. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't really want to have to work with it. You, as a writer, you need to be somebody who can defend your ideas, but not to the point of falling on your own sword not to the point of killing your own career mm-hmm. because of something like this. Mm-hmm. I think there's that fine line between defending your ideas and recognizing when something's not working. Exactly. You know, and how to walk that line is difficult because mm-hmm. sometimes great ideas do take a lot of effort to get going and they take a lot of buy-in and blood, sweat and tears and negative criticism It's the approach. It's the, are you going to be a positive person on this journey? Even when you feel misunderstood and looked over, uh, you know, that's what we want. We want people who are positive. Right. You know, actually a lot of this is reminding me of some of the stuff that I'm reading about the current number one show on Netflix, which is called squid game. It's a, it's a show out of Korea. It's, it's very bloody very violent, but it took 10 years to get made. And, you know, the guy who wrote it took it to every studio and it kept getting turned down. And, and I'm thinking, cause there's, there's two schools of thought right now. One of which is I see a lot of people who are taking this, especially writers as a personal, like never give up, mm-hmm. never give in, never surrender. And then there's other people who are like, no, like if the industry is that broken, that something this good couldn't get done, then what? No, that's not, this is not a moment of rise to the challenge, but I wonder how much of these things that creator struggled with, as far as being enamored with your own work or, you know, blaming the industry or I I don't know, but that's, what's, that's, what's coming to mind. Yeah. It would be interesting. Yeah. To know what those people went through over those 10 years and where their mindsets were you know, as they navigated that and faced, faced disappointment and faced rejection. And all right. The next flaw to be aware of is when you are paralyzed by fear of failure. And I think that can also double as to some degree, a fear of success Mm -hmm. as well. You know, a, a lot of it comes down to just, you don't know which way it's gonna go. Yeah. It could roll in either direction and they're both kind of terrifying mm-hmm. because once you hit that publish button or, you know, once you start that new series after your last series sold so well, maybe it will fail. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will be like way more successful. And that's mm-hmm. a whole 
different set of problems to have on your hands. I think people take this flaw and they react to it in two ways. One way is to, you know, so if they're afraid of failing or even afraid of success, they then overcompensate and do all of the things and send thousand emails and push, 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 like that type A writer personality that we talked about some episodes ago. Um, that can be, become a flaw. You know, we're obviously we want to work with people who are eager and who do things and who push their stuff and believe in their product, but not if it's going to be at the detriment of relationships, not if it's going to be just this constant, you know, frustrating thing to deal with every day. Um, the other response to that is the people who then just retreat within themselves and they're just so afraid of success or, or failure that they just don't get those words on the page. They don't move forward. They don't, they don't take that next step or sign that book deal because what if the publisher screws me over in the end? How many conversations I've had with authors that when it comes time to sign the book deal, they just suddenly want to walk away because they're afraid that it's going to be a bad relationship. Right. These can be contracts with book publishers that I've been going, you know, with like Hachette, like the big, the big top five publishers. And these authors are having these questions of like, are they going to take advantage of me? It's like, so that's when I see it happen. And it's just, it's so difficult to work Mm -hmm. with. This fear of failure affects a lot of beginning writers really, really heavily as well, especially when you've been in the industry for just a couple of years. Like when you've really gotten your feet wet enough to know that the pool gets deep, you know, mm-hmm. like when you really figure out, like, it's not all flowers and rainbows and, you know, pretty prose and good dialogue. It's yeah. actually a lot of blood, sweat and tears and sometimes kind of cutthroat and a little bit nightmarish. And mm-hmm. so for anybody who's out there, who's really struggling with this and you are, you don't have a lot of books published, or maybe you don't have any books published. Um, the very best advice I was ever given on how to get over the fear of failure was just flipping, do it, (laughs) hit the publish button and just keep going. And if it fails, then it fails, go publish the next thing, go write the next thing, go keep going. If you are still, if you're just sitting and waiting, nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to do it for you. Yep. And this is an uh, example that is only going to probably reach like a fraction of our listeners. But I think about buying into crypto and like, <laughs> okay, make- man, we're going to start a crypto podcast next. <laughs> I may cut this later, but I think like that first step, because I see people talking about online and a lot of people are just afraid. Like, what if I fail? What if I lose my money? That first step, just like throw $10 at it, throw a hundred dollars. at Exactly. It. Once you make that first buy, you realize, oh, it's not the end of the world. Step into the pool. And then yeah. suddenly you realize, well, the water isn't as cold or hot as I thought it would be. Maybe when you're starting something, don't try to publish your magnum opus. Maybe mm-hmm. don't invest $10,000 or your life savings into a meme coin. Right. You know, maybe you throw $20 at it. Maybe you try to do smaller works of publishing before deciding to write that that final pinnacle of your writing career like I know which series that is for me like I know which one my magnum opus is and I'm not ready for it yet it's just sitting there but Mm -hmm. we're not 
we're not in that level of investment yet. This conversation got a little bit long, so I'm going to be dividing it into two parts. Part two will come next week. And as always, thank you for listening to the Gatecrashers podcast. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, drop us some comments on Facebook, and please know that this is not and was not intended to be financial advice on crypto. But of course, if you ever want to talk about Bitcoin, hit us up.